When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, we round out the show as per usual with Football Asia in the company of Paul Williams from the Asian Game Podcast. Uh, Happy New Year to you, Paolo. And to you and Alex. How are you going, guys? Very Very good. good, Uh, Fair bit to get through tonight. Let's start with the big news that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo (laughs) has signed for Al Nasser for eye-watering remuneration. Uh, two questions in one. What will that do for the Saudi League? And am I right in thinking there's a clause in his contract that allows him to go on loan to Newcastle if they make the Champions League? I thought that was the remuneration you're getting from SEN, Simon. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's fair to say it's been the talk of the uh, the football world. That has been the report come out in the, the last 24 hours and how much truth is in these things. It's never really easy to tell there's a lot of um tales that go about with uh, with contracts like this especially when there's sums of this money and and you know countries like saudi arabia we've seen it in the past with china where a lot of things can get reported as fact and it's very hard to disprove so um i guess that will, remains to be seen we'll find out i guess if newcastle do qualify for the champions league but it has been an enormous boost for for saudi football it's been an enormous boost for Al Nasser, his unveiling is going to be in a couple of hours' time, uh, overnight Australian time in in Riyadh. They're selling tickets for that at their uh, their stadium, which I suspect will will sell out. There'll be a huge crowd. There's a lot of excitement and anticipation in in Saudi Arabia. And just to to give a hint of the the scale of this and what this has done for for Al Nasser. Just before they announced his signing, they were already a, a huge club in Saudi Arabia. Had just under a million follow followers on Instagram. As I checked this morning, that's now up to seven point two million followers wow. on Instagram. They've they've gained about six and a half million followers in about three days since his announcement, which just goes to show the the scale. I mean, you're signing one of the best footballers of all time. Yes, past his peak, but um, it, it is still a big boon for uh, for Saudi Arabia and, and Al Nasser. That is absolutely astonishing, isn't it? To gain six million extra followers. Um, I wonder if some of those came on board in the first instance for Brett Holman a few years ago, because he played for that club as well. Um, let's talk about AFC politics. Uh, Russia's bid to join Asia appears... Uh, to have stalled for now, which I I guess prevents Australia in some ways from being put in a rather tricky situation. Uh, What's the latest Mm. with that? Is that the end of this particular saga or will it recur again? Well, it's hard to say because the fact that it has been delayed again makes it almost impossible for them now to be involved in the next round of World Cup qualification. And that's really the main reason they're looking to join Asia in the first place was to to find a path to be able to play competitive football and to qualify for the World Cup. There's been some comments come out from um, people involved with the RFU in Russia that they don't necessarily want to leave UEFA, and I don't think UEFA necessarily wants to lose Russia as well because because there's a lot of riches involved with Russia with the Gazprom money and the sponsorship as well. So um, 
and their clubs, you know, Zenit St. Petersburg and the like, they certainly don't want to leave UEFA and the riches that uh, that it offers as well. So I suspect a lot of this is a little bit of politicking, maybe trying to put pressure on UEFA to allow them back in by saying, well, if you don't let us back in, we're going to walk, knowing that UEFA don't want them to leave. So I suspect Asia's kind of being used as a, a little bit of a bargaining chip with, uh, with UEFA there. But it does seem to have stalled for the moment because... Just not sure how um, how solid their intentions are to mm. actually leave. As you said, it uh, it does avoid potentially a tricky situation for Football Australia, though. Yep, it uh, sure does. Uh, now, talking about the AFC, those reforms to the club tournaments that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago have now been approved. So uh, we're going to have a three-tiered system. I, I assume there's going to be some sort of Asian Conference League. Um, is it, though, in terms of the way it's going to be structured to appease Asia's bigger nations? And how will that third-tier tournament work? And perhaps, if you can, its implications for Australia? Yeah, so it is going to... It's no doubt to appease the the top-tier nations. They kind of... The, the, the way the coefficients have been rearranged, it, it it protects them a little bit. China and Australia are two nations in particular that have jumped back up the coefficient rankings to ensure that they stay in that top elite level competition. So as it turns out now, Australia will get one automatic place into the, the AFC Champions League and one automatic place into uh, what we assume is probably still going to be called the, the AFC Cup, the second tier competition. So we do keep our, our spot in in the top tier i like the way that it's structured i think there's still some some faults with it um with the way that going about structuring it. i like the fact they're opening up from uh, the quarterfinal onwards to have more east versus west clashes um disappointingly though from the quarterfinal onwards it's all going to be in a centralized venue so you kind of lose a little bit of that narrative in the storyline but i think there could be a lot of interest in the, the second tier competition the reformatted AFC Cup because uh, there's positions in that uh, competition for all of the top 10 teams in both the East and the West. So you're going to have teams from you know Japan, Korea, Australia, Malaysia, um, Thailand, Vietnam as well. So um, it, it's going to be a really interesting competition to see how that comes about. And it's being held in a more traditional home and away format as well. So that could be a really good uh, tournament for Australian clubs to be involved in. Paul, looking uh, at the fallout from Qatar's disastrous uh, World Cup showing, Felix Sanchez has been, um, well, they've mutually parted ways. Dispatched, uh, <laughs> I think yeah. is the word you're looking for. <laughs> there, there is a rumour that Carlos uh, Quiroz might take over. Mm. There is that rumour going around. Um, it was reported as fact in uh, by a couple of uh, Qatari outlets um, actually in the, the last couple of days. We'll see if that comes to pass i'm not sure carlos kiros is necessarily the the right man that uh, that qatar need but yeah i don't think there was any way that felix sanchez could stay on given the disastrous world cup that they had i did hear some talk um afterwards from some people in qatar that that they thought he would stay on um and continue on with the qatar job but given their disastrous showing i'm not sure that was um ever likely to be feasible and yeah we'll see which way they go but it does appear that it could be Carlos Quiroz, and as I said, I'm not entirely sure that's the right direction that they need to go in. So it'll be interesting to see how that one um, plays out. Uh, let's talk about the AFF Mitsubishi Electric Cup. Uh, Thailand and Indonesia safely through from the group last night, uh, probably as expected. Tonight, uh, the favourites for the tournament, yeah. Vietnam, should steal their, uh, seal their spot, not steal it. Uh, I think they play, <laughs> is it Myanmar tonight? Um, but it's winner-take-all uh, in the big one, the Causeway Derby, Malaysia and Singapore at the Bukit Jalil that I remember fondly from 2007. 100,000-seater stadium 
and there's about 1500 there for the game that I did. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yep. There'll be a few more than that tonight. I think at yeah. last count they'd sold a, they'd sold about fifty thousand tickets, and it's the it's the big rivalry between these two teams. Of course, they are so closely located together, both uh, Malaysia and Singapore. And yes, Singapore currently occupy second spot. So Malaysia need a win tonight. Singapore can get through with a draw. It's a weakened Malaysian side, but they are playing at home. Singapore got a nil-all draw against Vietnam, the, the favourites in their last outing. So they'll take some confidence from from that resilient performance because they were it was very much backs against the wall against the wall. I think they had about twenty percent possession in that game. So it'd be fascinating to see how that plays out. And a little plug, uh, our uh, our colleague at the Asian Game, uh, Scott McIntyre, will be at the stadium tonight, and we'll have a full recap on uh, on the Asian Game in the coming days from him in uh, in Kuala Lumpur and a, uh, another colleague in Jakarta as well. Best job in the world, Scotty McIntyre's got. Um, final question. We've left a, a minute to say for this, uh, Paul, because it's an important one. What, what on earth is going on in China? We've spoken a little bit about this before. Now, Wuhan three towns have won their first Super League title, but only by default. Uh, and Guangzhou FC, formerly Evergrande, that we all remember from the Champions League uh, days, they've been relegated. Amazing. They have. It's it seems if you go back even two years, it would be phenomenal to think that Guangzhou Evergrande could be relegated, and yet that's exactly what happened. And and Wuhan Three Towns, a club who you go back two or three years, as I talk about Guangzhou, they were playing in the third division of Chinese football. They got two successive promotions to get into the the CSL this year, and they've now gone on and won it. So um, it's a remarkable story, given where they've come from, to to go on and win the CSL title this year. It probably says a lot about where Chinese football is at, but it still doesn't take away from what is a remarkable achievement from them to get two successive promotions and then win the uh, the Chinese title at the first time of asking. But it was it was won by default, wasn't it? The, the final games were postponed yep. because, well, at least officially, because of the increasing grip of COVID again across the country. Yeah. And it, it could have been a thrilling final round because both um, Wuhan and Shandong were, were level on points going into the, the final game. Unfortunately, both of their fixtures were declared walkovers because, you know, COVID has ravaged the country and their opposition simply didn't have uh, enough uh, players to, to field a team. And, um, you know, Wuhan then won on, uh, won on goal difference. It's a shame that it ended like that. It was probably going to be the result anyway, but it's a shame that it ended like that and it didn't end on the pitch. But I guess that probably says a lot about Chinese football over the last few years. Great stuff, Paolo. <laughs> uh, appreciate your insight as ever. Uh, lucky old Scott McIntyre going to watch the Causeway Derby. We'll get a full report on that on Football Asia next week. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Cheers, guys. Cheers.